This is a Timmet podcast. This podcast is part of the series On the Marge. This episode is part of the second series. Chronologically, it falls somewhere before episode 35. The title of this episode is The Rehabilitation of Pamela McPherson. The Rehabilitation of Pamela McPherson. I was explaining the difference between aware and beware to our daughter Alex one evening. Mara was out at a meeting and I got to thinking about self-awareness and how everyone seems to start out with a different amount of it. The horrible thing about lack of self-awareness and open-mindedness is that you can't develop any without first having some. I guess that's why some people are doomed. On the Facebook hiking meetup group, if someone advertises a hike, there is invariably a handful of people who immediately post something like, Oh, sorry, I can't make it to this hike. Why do they do that? Do they really think that they, among the hundreds of people in the group, are key to any activity? Do they think it's like city council, where knowledge of who's definitely not attending is key to a confirming quorum? Or even worse, they respond with something ambiguous like, Oh, that looks interesting, which usually, but not always, means they really don't want to go. Yes, I suppose I could just ignore these irrelevant posts, but they make organizing hikes way more difficult when I'm trying to figure out who actually wants to attend. And as I explained to Alex, those useless posts do reveal something about the people who make them. They really don't think about the effect of their actions on others. But then I realized I don't have to rely on social media to study lack of self-awareness. I have Pamela McPherson right here on Walnut Crescent. She's a good-hearted soul who spends a lot of her time getting beans and craft dinner for the food bank. But she can be awfully hard to take sometimes. Like the time at the Christmas party we hosted. Pamela perhaps carried away by an overabundance of holiday magnanimity, tracked down Joseph Glatt and declared, Oh, it's okay, Joseph. I really don't blame you for killing Jesus. Joseph blinked and said, What? Oh, you know, said Pamela, you being Jewish and all, your people, the Jews, they're horrible people and they killed Jesus. But it's okay, we Christians can forgive. Jesus was a Christian and he taught us forgiveness. I know you're not like the rest of your people. Mm, um, said Mr. Glatt, furrowing his brow. But surely it was the Romans who killed Jesus, and Jesus was Jewish, just like me. A shadow of doubt crossed Pamela McPherson's face, but only briefly. No, Jesus was the first Christian, and I'm sure that none of us Christians here holds it against you personally, like, not at Christmas, anyway. Well, mm, uh, that's good to know, I think said Joseph Glatt uncertainly. Pamela headed off to get herself another drink, oblivious to the turmoil she left behind. Joseph turned to me and asked, Did I imagine that, or has Pamela finally flipped? Yeah, that was weird, but I could see that Joseph was troubled by what Pamela had said. He approached me again before the end of the evening. Do other people think that somehow I had a hand in killing Jesus? I reassured Joseph that this was probably just some quirk of Pamela's, and the fact that Joseph was Jewish didn't appear on anyone else's radar. Well, this is Yukon, after all. And then there was a time Pamela told Mara about her latest conversation with Kathy. Kathy, of Kathy and Jim, the new couple who moved into the little house down the street during the summer. Young people these days can be so self-centered, declared Pamela. Why, Kathy and Jim live in that beautiful little house all alone. 
there's another bedroom that would be just perfect for a baby's room. So I told Kathy that she should stop being so selfish and go ahead and have a baby. And you know what she did? I'm not sure I want to hear this, replied Mara. Well, she started to cry. Yes, she actually started to cry. I guess she felt guilty about being so selfish. Can you imagine it? Mm, well, did you know that Kathy and Jim really want a baby? Asked Mara. They'd been trying really hard to have one. Tests and doctors, the whole bit. Remember when they flew to Vancouver? Well, that was to go to some sort of special clinic. But it's not working out. Looks like no baby for them. Well, somebody should have told me, retorted Pamela. Why didn't anybody tell me? Well, maybe they figured it wasn't any of your business, replied Mara. Pamela didn't think that was a plausible explanation. And then one day, Pamela was at our house having tea when Alex's friend Megan came to visit. My moms both drink tea, reported Megan. Oh, what do you mean, both moms? asked Pamela. Oh, Megan has two moms, no dad, explained Alex. But two moms, does that mean, um, like they're, um, well, um, uh, how did you get born without a father? asked Pamela. Oh, my moms say it's because of a lot of love and something like, um, oh, I forget the word, something like, Vitro fertilizer. Uh, something like that, replied Megan. But isn't your mother, uh, one of your mothers, Alice Mackenzie? asked Pamela skeptically. Megan nodded. But that can't be, declared Pamela. Alice Mackenzie goes to our church. Oh, come on. I'm sure lesbians can go to church too, observed Mara. Megan and Alex nodded in agreement. But your, but your, your, your other mother, what's her name? asked Pamela worriedly. Oh, she's Karen. Karen Schultz. Pamela was stricken. But I know her too, she wailed. Does anyone want more tea? asked Mara. But there is some hope for Pamela. Just a few weeks ago, on a Saturday morning, she was sitting in our living room drinking tea. Now that I mention it, she does seem to be at our place frequently drinking tea. But Becky was coming home. Her daughter Becky, who had been living and working in Europe. Oh, is she bringing Pierre? asked Mara. That wonderful young man whose family you went to visit last year in France? A shadow crossed Pamela's face. No, um, well, Pierre isn't part of the picture anymore. He, he, he ran off with some Italian fashion model, she replied. But Becky is bringing her new boyfriend. His name is Jude, just like in the Beatles. You know, hey, Jude. Becky says this is it, the real thing. I think they're engaged. I'm going to get grandchildren out of this yet. Well, it will be good to see Becky again, said Mara. We haven't seen her since she used to babysit Alex. What was it, you know, three years ago before she left for Europe? I have to go to Marsh Lake this afternoon to pick up some more food bank beans, said Pamela. So Dave is going to get them at the airport. I hope I'm not too late. We should all get home about the same time. Oh, I'm so looking forward to seeing my new son-in-law. And that's how it happened. Alex and I were right in front of the McPherson house on our way back from the mailbox. Pamela was just getting out of her car when Dave arrived in the van with the European visitors. Oh, let's go see Becky, declared Alex. I want to see if I remember her. So we headed over to be part of the welcoming committee. First out of the van was Becky, just as I remembered her. Long blonde hair, slim, quick. She rushed over to her mother and they hugged. Then she turned to the van, as out stepped another young woman with curly black hair. Mom, this is my partner, Jude, Judith. Pamela, who had started toward the van, stopped dead in her tracks. Her jaw dropped. Her eyes opened wide. Complicated movements rippled across her face as she struggled to understand. Dave stood beside the van. He rolled his eyes and shrugged awkwardly. But, but where's your boyfriend? asked Pamela tremulously. 
Jude. Oh, I never mentioned any boyfriend, replied Becky. I talked about my partner. My partner, Jude. Jude is my partner. We're going to get married. And just to get this over with, piped up Dave, she's Jewish. Dave told me later that Becky had given him all the details the week before, knowing he'd have a much easier time with it than Pamela would. Becky had wanted her father to meet her at the airport and help explain things to her mother. I decided that this really wasn't the best time to renew our acquaintance with Becky, so I dragged Alex away. I didn't hear what happened after that, but as I looked back over my shoulder, I could see that everyone was still out in the driveway, talking. At least Pamela was still standing up. Becky and Jude went back to France a week ago. I encountered Pamela in our house drinking tea again on Saturday. So they're talking more of a civil ceremony than a religious thing. That's okay, I guess. But it would have been interesting to see what a Jewish wedding was like. Joseph explained that they do it in sort of a tent. And they're not so sure about children, although I'm not sure how that would even work. I don't really need grandchildren anyway. I'd probably have to look after them, and that would cut into my food bank operations. And later, as she was leaving, she said, It's kind of surprising that some uh, lesbians, she struggled with the word, that some lesbians can be nice people too. Who knew? Yes, there is some hope for Pamela McPherson. She recruited both of Megan's mothers into her food bank network, and I saw them all out on the McPherson's driveway, laughing and joking together as they loaded beans into the van. The frequency of Pamela's tea-drinking appearances in our living room has dropped off. I understand that now she often drinks tea in Joseph Glatt's kitchen, even as Easter approaches. And Pamela has mended fences with Kathy. Kathy, of Kathy and Jim, who live in the little house. Kathy, who is now pregnant. Yes, Pamela. The same Pamela, who offered to babysit in a year or two, so Kathy and Jim could go out and have some time on their own. Some selfish time on their own. This has been a Timmet podcast in a series called On the Marge. Instrumental intro and exit are courtesy of Kate Weeks. If you would like more of these podcasts, check out the podcast website at timmet.ca slash podcasts. That's T-I-M-M-I-T dot C-A slash podcasts.